Well, hello, church. I'm so pleased that you're able to worship with us today. I'm also pleased that God is preserving all of you and that he's keeping you safe. I'm happy to say that uh, all of those that are within our church family have been kept safe by the Lord. We continue to pray for that and praise God for that. We continue to pray for the world uh, as the world continues to suffer from this terrible disease, uh, even as I believe God is trying to bring them to the cross. So we will put all of those prayers together today. Many of you have asked me, when do I think we can get back into church itself? We've petitioned the school district to do that, uh, and they are awaiting an answer for us. So as soon as we hear, we will let you know, and you have my promise that the earliest possible date that we can return, we will do that uh, within the will of the Lord. Uh, and so uh, this morning, we're going to continue our sermon series. This is the last in the four-part series on Jesus teaching us to pray. Uh, it is so deep and fundamentally sound theology for all of us to know what Jesus is praying for, even as he prays for us now. So let's bow before God and ask him to touch our hearts and to give us his message today. Father, we thank you that you've preserved our church family. We thank you for all the blessings in our life. And now, Father, we come before your throne and ask you that you anoint this message, your word for today, that we may know further your mind, Father, for our lives as we follow you right to the end of our days. Lord, put, we put all of these requests in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, and so we are studying primarily John chapter 17, which is effectively known as the High Priestly Prayer of Jesus. This entire chapter is devoted to Jesus praying to God uh, in the presence of his disciples, and we see what he's praying for. Uh, and, and effectively, it is a closure of his earthly ministry. He is shortly about to be crucified, and you can see what God believes are the important things for us as disciples. Uh, and so even as Jesus is about to give his life in the ultimate sacrifice on the cross, these petitions remain critically important. Uh, and the point that you need to understand is that this is the role of Jesus then and now as he remains our eternal high priest. And if you have any doubt on that, turn to Hebrews chapter 7, uh, verses 24 and 25. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. How about that? And so there it is. That's the permanent priesthood that we have as Christians. Jesus Christ at the right hand of God, praying for you every day, interceding for you every day. That is why he is able to, to save those and bring those to salvation and to bring them to eternal life because he is our once and forever eternal high priest. What a blessing that is to recognize that God himself, Jesus, is praying for you so that even when you get down and are going through difficult times, you need to understand that Christ knows your pain. He knows what you need. And so he's praying for you. And so in this great high priestly prayer, uh, Jesus makes effectively five petitions uh, to God uh, for our prayer. The first petition that Jesus makes is uh, to be that we be protected from evil. 
Uh, and this is important because Jesus understands that we are fighting against Satan uh, and that Satan is, is out to devour us and to take us away from ministry. Now remember this, Satan can't take you out of the hand of God once you're saved. You're saved eternally, but he can remove you from effective ministry, remove you from being a positive uh, advancement for the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is praying that God protects us from this evil. And if you need to understand what this evil is, uh, you can turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That tells you everything you need to know, that Satan is all about us. This is his world. There are millions upon millions of demons who inhabit every part of this world. And our struggle is against these, these evil realms, principalities, meaning even uh, countries that are under the influence of Satan. And make no mistake about it. That is a fact that there are countries and governments under the evil, evil one. And so here you see the first thing that Jesus is telling us is, is praying to God is that we be protected from evil. Uh, we don't have to fear the devil. Jesus isn't telling us to fear the devil. We respect God who protects us. And I want you to understand that. God is putting a wall around you. He is protecting you. Nothing that you experience will be, uh, will be anything unless it is God's will. Understand that. So you don't have to walk around in fear. And so the second thing that Jesus prayed for, and I'm going to drill down deeply into each of these, uh, is that we receive a full measure of joy. Meaning what? Meaning the joy of Jesus Christ. Uh, meaning contentment and happiness. Being content where we are. Walking where we are. Uh, and, and really being in a position where we accept what we have as being within the will of God. Uh, and so that becomes important also for the Lord. Then he prays that we be sanctified by the word of God, meaning what? That we be made holy, that we become more uh, in line with God's will and his commandments, that we walk within his will. This is important to God, and he prays for that as well. Uh, then he prays that we be with him in glory, meaning that we have a vision of him in his glory and that someday we will be with him in heaven to see his full glory as it is with God the Father. Uh, and then finally he asks that effectively uh, we be unified uh, as the body of Christ, the, the unified body of Christ, the church universal, that we come together and work together uh, because that is a critical aspect as well and so that God really wants us to understand this. And so as we drill down individually to these individual petitions, uh, the first petition Jesus prayed for is that we might be protected by the, the power of the Father's name from the evil one. Now, let's understand something. Not every piece of, of problem that comes into our life is from Satan. Some of it we did to ourselves. Maybe we didn't do the right thing or we didn't take care of ourselves. Who knows what those issues are? But there are clearly times when Satan is involved in tempting us and bringing us to temptation. And so God 
is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you that you be kept away from that, that you have discernment in your life so that you know what the right thing is to do. And even if it doesn't seem to be evil, but it could lead to evil, Jesus says that he's praying for that prayer. And so you need to understand that the Satan is always around lying, accusing, slandering, and gossiping. Even when you see people, uh, so-called acquaintances, maybe even so-called friends, begin to engage in slander and gossip, you need to understand that that's probably inspired by Satan. I have to tell you that that's probably the case. And so you need to pray against that and ask God uh, to protect you from that as well. Jesus is doing that for you right now. Uh, and, and that becomes important for you to understand that. Uh, and, and Jesus wants you to be able to uh, be protected even as we remain in the world. Uh, and that's because uh, he understands that our role there, our role is that we stay in the world. He doesn't want us pulled out of the world until it's our time to go to the Lord, but he wants us to be in the world, to travel in the world, to be around those who are lost, to be the light and the salt, uh, to be the very perfume of Christ, and that's how we do that. And so that's why he's protecting for us, protecting us uh, from the evil one, and so we need to be aware of that. Uh, and that is an appropriate prayer on your part as well. Second, Jesus prays to the Father that we might receive the full measure of joy within ourselves, the very joy of Jesus Christ. And if you have your Bible, turn, if you would, uh, to John 17, the high priestly prayer, and look at verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. The full measure of my joy within them. Now notice that he doesn't pray uh, for material possessions or wealth or power or influence. You don't see that here. He, pray, he, he prays for protection. And now he prays that we may receive the full measure of joy, his joy in our heart. heart. Why is that? Because Jesus understands that unless we are contented within the walk of God, unless we are filled with his joy, that no matter what we have, no matter where we are, we will be unhappy. We will be unfulfilled. And this isn't the role of Christians. God wants us to be fulfilled. And the only way we can be fulfilled is to have the measure of joy that Jesus had. That is a joy that understands that you are connected to the throne of God, that you walk within the palm of God, the hand of God holding you, that nothing will befall you that is not within the perfect will of God, and that he will take care of you the same way he takes care of the birds out in the field. That is the joy of God. And so even though you come through and suffer the vicissitudes of life, yet you know that God is holding you in his hand and constraining you and protecting you. Uh, and that is why we need the full measure of the Father's joy. Look, Jesus knew he was about to die, yet he went to the cross. Why? Because he knew that was the ultimate extent of his ministry in this world, and he was filled with the joy of God, knowing that he would be completely filled. Uh, there is a deep sense uh, of peace in knowing that God is giving you his joy. Uh, and because if you don't have this, you will never enjoy anything that you have. And so here's the point. 
God wants to give you this joy, uh, and it is much more than, than personal and material pleasure. Personal and material pleasures fade away. They're ups and downs. You know, you were happy one day you looked at your stock market portfolio. The next day you saw that it was cut in half. And you understand that, that your, your happiness was cut, destroyed. But if in fact your joy is with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you know that's where you're going, if you're secure in that knowledge, then that joy and contentment stays with you irrespective of the, the problems of life. Uh, and if you would, as we drill down on this subject of joy, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Don't put your trust in wealth or affluence or power or position because all of that will be fading away. But instead, put your trust in the hope of God, the promise of God, and make your treasury good deeds. What a wonderful passage that is. Make your treasury good deeds so that you understand exactly uh, what, what God wants from you and in his walk for you. It's such a powerful presentation. Yes, we walk in an evil world, but he's protecting us. He's with us. And even as we walk, he gives us the joy of the Father. Look also at Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I momentarily lost it. I am not saying this because I am in need. And this is Paul now speaking. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Look, I understand that there are people in our church family right now who are suffering, all right? It's hard to be locked into your house, all right? There are things that you need and may not have. Even the sense, the sense of, of, of uh, depression can come over you. But I want you to understand something. You need to be thankful for what you are and what you have. You need to be content in everything that you have because God is with you. God has promised you that he will continue to be with you. He will not abandon you. The third petition that Jesus prays for here uh, is found in John 17. And if you turn back to John 17 and look at verses 14 to 19, you're going to see Jesus praying that you be sanctified by the truth of the Father. And let me explain to you what that means. That means that you be kept holy and righteous within the will of God, following the commandments, knowing that the commandments are appropriate. So John chapter 17, verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your 
word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Uh, For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. What a powerful set of words this is from Jesus, indicating that we stay holy within the will of God, that God sends us into the world. He doesn't take us out of the world. He sends us into the world. And as he sends us into the world, that we still say righteous and holy and that God keeps us that way. Essentially, it is our spiritual growth as Christians, as we mature, even as we come face to face with the challenges of sin. Yes, we have human shortcomings. Yes, our flesh is not strong. But, but we recognize, we recognize that Jesus is praying for us that we continue to stay strong. Uh, and I want you to turn to Psalm 119 uh, because this is a very uh, good sense of scripture on this issue. Psalm 119, uh, verses 9 to 16. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word i seek you with all my heart do not let me stray from your commands i have hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you praise be to you O lord teach me your decrees with my lips i recount all the laws that come from your mouth i rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches i mediate on your precepts and consider your ways. So I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Wow, what a great passage that is, where, where the psalmist writes, in fact, that he considers the word, studies the words, meditates on the words, repeats the, the law of God, and, and delights in that. And that's really what God wants us to do. And so this clearly indicates to me that the predominant prayer uh, in our life should be for the desire of living in submission to God's laws and obedience to him. Let me repeat that. The predominant prayer in your life should be that you stay submissive to the will of God uh, and to his laws and remain obedient to him. Can you imagine if the, the entire Christian world made that their prayer? Can you imagine how the world would change if we were all praying, Lord, keep me holy Keep me within your will, Father. Help me to understand that. Can you imagine how much more our prayer life would be so deep uh, and would give such greater satisfaction to all of us? In the fourth petition that Jesus makes, uh, he prays that we might see his glory. And if you turn back to John 17, uh, look at verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Well, that tells us a number of things. It says very clearly that Jesus was with God uh, before the very creation of the world. And we know that Jesus actually was the creative agent used by God to create this world. Uh, and that he obviously had the glory of God at that time. Uh, And Jesus is now praying that all of us, all of us Christians, would someday be with him. He's praying that God takes us and brings us to be with him. That is why if you are saved and accept Jesus Christ, you have the guarantee that you will be with him in glory. He's prayed for you, 
and ask God to do that. If that is the very prayer of the Son of God for us, then you can take that uh, to the bank uh, and have really rest assured that he would do that. There's another passage that speaks on that, also in John. Turn to John 14 uh, and look verses, uh, start with verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 to 3, John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's home are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Well, Jesus makes it pretty clear. He's going to take us there. That's your assurance. That's the contentment and joy of, of the Father. He's going to take you there. So no matter what you go through, no matter how you suffer the highs and lows of this world, the one overarching promise from Jesus is I will return to take you there. I, you will be with me uh, in paradise. And so Jesus is praying here that all of us who walk with him, who believe with him, will share in the same glory that he enjoys eternally right now. Uh, and, and really, this becomes important for us because we will all have down periods in our life. We will all have periods where we're suffering uh, in, in the life, in our flesh. And uh, I want you to read with what the Apostle Paul says about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Uh, and, and I think it's important, even during these kinds of times that we're in now, where we're suffering, we're locked in our house, it's difficult, we're fearful, we don't want to be sick. We're, we may have friends and family who are sick. Some of us have friends who've passed away, I have, from this disease. Uh, and it has really brought me uh, to, to a low point, but I put my trust in God that he will protect us. And so look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. How about that? Yes, you're hurting. Yes, you're suffering. But you keep your eye on the cross, on Jesus Christ. And when you see that and understand through the Spirit the glory that God has for you, that awaits for you, then you put these in a momentary waiting position. All right? And you understand that that on the other side far outweighs this. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. How about that? So don't focus on those things that you see in this world. Focus on the unseen spiritual things that have great eternal weight that far surpasses anything that we suffer now. Such an important prayer that Jesus makes for us that we need to continue to have in our heart. And now the last petition that Jesus uh, makes for us uh, is a prayer for unity. Uh, and this, again, might surprise some people, but Jesus is praying that those of who are his disciples, our Christians, would stay unified. And turn to John 17. Take a look first at verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Now, what does that mean? They may be one as we are one. In other words, the Trinity is a unified body. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each separate personages and powers, but yet unified for the eternal sovereignty of God. Uh, and Jesus is asking that the Father, that we, we believers, be unified in the same way. Look now at verse 20, John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through your message. That's you, all right? This is 2,000 years later. You believe in him now. He's praying for you now. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. In them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. There it is, the prayer of Jesus that the Christian world be unified, that we be unified within the body of Christ. And that's exactly how we are. When we're saved, we know that God attaches us to the body of Christ. That's why God looks at us as righteous. We're not righteous. But within the filtering prism of the body of Christ, God sees us through that light and we then have the righteousness of Christ. God wants us to act unified. And what does that mean? That means it starts in our church. We are a unified church. There's no one here looking to raise himself over and above anybody else. We bow before the throne of God. We serve God and we are unified together to advance the work of God. Look at all the ministries we have in this church. We have over 110 volunteers, people who are dedicating their lives in prayer service, in prayer ministry, in hospital visitation, in prison ministry, uh, in serving people that come to the church, uh, in, in, in greeters, in ushers, and all these various ministries in prayer shawl ministry. There's numerous ministries in, this, in the church unified as one for the body of Christ. Why? Because then the world sees us not as lone rangers, but they see us as the disciples of Christ. That's what we look like, that we are unified for Jesus Christ. What a great message this is for us as it is as we go forward as a church. Uh, and so we need to understand this. This is what God wants from us and, and, and what his prayer is for us uh, in, in such a powerful way. Verse 25 in that same uh, set of verses. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I want to assure you that Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ through the Holy Spirit, resides in each and every one of you. That's the essence of the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And now God wants us to go out in the world. He's praying to protect us. He's given us the joy of the Spirit. Uh, he's praying that we be unified and sanctified. And for the very purpose of going out in the world and showing the world who Jesus is through the mirror of our lives. That's why this is important. And we see the unity of the Trinity as the very guidepost. Uh, and, and so our unity as a church is to reflect the unity uh, of the Trinity. And so the Father and the Son are one, uh, but the Son is distinct from the Father. In the same way, we are to be that way with fellow believers. 
we each have our own distinctiveness. We each have our own personalities. Uh, but yet within the Trinity, there is a unity of purpose. And within the will of God, uh, as walking within God, as Jesus is praying for us, there is a unity of the Spirit. We are unified in the body of Christ as we walk together to serve Jesus Christ. First, as a church, as the Naples gathering, and then as the universal church of God throughout the world. Uh, and so what, what I want you to understand is how humility advances the work of God in such a powerful way. I want to, as I bring this sermon to a close, I want to focus on Philippians chapter 2, if you could turn your Bibles to that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. And this really tells us how we're to live. As Jesus prayed for us in this high priestly prayer, what a great position it is to think that God himself sits there right now at the right hand of the Father and is praying for you now. Who could ever understand this? The world doesn't understand this that Jesus is praying for us, even as he was here in this world uh, several days before he would be sacrificed. He prayed then, he prays now. And look really at the encouragement that we ought to have in our lives. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's really what Jesus is praying for, that we lift him up, that we lift God up. It's not about ourselves. We put ourselves down. We recognize that whatever we are, whatever we will accomplish, it's because he has given it to us. He has given us that privilege. And we need to have that understanding in our hearts every day that we walk in this world. So don't lift yourself up. Even if God has blessed you, even if God has given you talents and gifts, he has given you those talents and gifts to advance the kingdom of God, not to advance you uh, personally. So this becomes an important aspect of understanding the entire will of God. Oh, I thank God that, that he sent Jesus to this world. I thank him that he is our high priest once and for all, right now through eternity, that every prayer that you make is heard by Christ. And he is interceding and advocating your position. And he's speaking on your behalf, guaranteeing that you will be protected. Not necessarily that you won't suffer some vicissitudes of life, but instead he will protect you through the end. So that when you finally come face to face, when he calls you home, he will look at you and he will say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your position as our high priest, Father. I thank you for this prayer that stands through the ages as a monument to your mind and heart and God as well. Father, I thank you for what you've given us. I ask you to make us continually mindful of this prayer and continue to bring us closer to the cross. 
Draw us together as a church, Lord, in unity. Draw us together to be one under the cross and serve your will. Continue to protect our people in every possible way. Uh, and oh, make the day that we can continue to be together as a church come sooner rather than later, but within your perfect will. Father, we put all of this in your perfect name and in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you, church.